This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 816 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on horses in the morning. The Hit'em crew is joined by the Horse.com digital editor Michelle Anderson and Dr. Malakot from UF College of Veterinary Medicine for a little chat about melanoma. And we'll get right to our tip after this shopping tip from EquestrianCollections.com. Hi, Glenn here with the Horse Radio Network, and I am back with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with this week's Product of the Week. Hi, Glenn. You know, we get a lot of calls from riders who are looking for plus-size field boots. Not the regular stock sizes, but the, the plus sizes for people with a little bit larger calves. Um, Tough Rider has come out with a stock plus-size field boot that I wanted to feature this week because they are so hard to find. These things come in extra wide in all the sizes from 6 all the way up through 10. And they come in short short length as well as regular length. And they're only right at $200. We sell them for $195.95. These are hard to find. We're happy, so happy that they have decided to produce some plus-size field boots and they are stock, and they are in stock. So please take a look at them. I think they will be big sellers. I think people will really be happy to find some really quality Tough Rider brand boots in sizes that they can use. When we had our tack shop, I'll tell you what, this was one of the biggest problems we had was finding. And, and you know, the, the girls that were looking for these just had big calves because they ride all the time. Well, that's exactly right. And also, just because um, you have larger calves does not mean you are very tall. <laughs> so, or, or that um, you're very large. that they came yeah. out with shorts yeah. as well as regular lengths. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm glad to see this. This is terrific. And for under 200 bucks, you can't beat it. And it's brand new this season. So, you know, this is the place to go to find them. And here the fact at that Western they're zipped, that helps a lot, too, you know, so... Tough Rider Plus Size Field Boots. You can find them at EquestrianCollections.com. Just search for Tough Rider Field Boots and they'll pop up. And now it's time for the weekly health, horse health report. And this features Michelle Anderson, who is the digital editor of thehorse.com. And this week, Michelle is going to be talking to Dr. Martha Malicote. And the discussion is melanoma in horses. If you have a gray horse, you need to pay close attention. Welcome, Michelle. Hi. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Very good. We've got some serious stuff to talk about this week. We do. We do. Um, And Dr. Malakote, is she with us? I am. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Welcome. Um, So Dr. Malakote is here to talk about melanoma in horses, and I want to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about um, your involvement with melanoma, because you're at University of Kentucky, or I'm sorry, University of Florida, and you're doing some research there on these. <laughs> we are. I had, to, I had to put in a plug, or you know, a woohoo for University of Florida. <laughs> of course, always. 
Um, Well, I I am involved in some research with equine melanoma. Um, In addition to that, I'm a veterinary internal medicine specialist, which means that that's part of my routine job is to do things like deal with cancer in horses. Um, But particularly what we have going on here at the university, and it's certainly a group effort, is a clinical trial of a melanoma vaccine for horses. Um, The vaccine that we are investigating was actually first developed for use in dogs, and that research has been ongoing going here in our small animal oncology department for several years, and we have expanded it over to the equine side and have been looking at it in horses with melanoma as well. And I've been working on that here um, since I've been here as a resident first and now as a faculty member. Um, we've been working on this project for about three years now. So, Okay. So when we hear the word melanoma, we think of not going out in the sun, you know, making sure we put on our sunscreen Mm -hmm. um, because this is a really devastating cancer. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what a melanoma is and, and what it looks like in the horse? Absolutely. Um, That's actually a great question because melanoma itself is a tumor of skin cells that contain what's called melanin or granules that pigment the cells. And when we think of melanoma in people, you're absolutely right. We think of a really aggressive cancer that is related to sun exposure. Um, What's interesting about it is in dogs, melanoma is equally aggressive, though not necessarily related to being out in the sun. And in horses, it's quite different from both of those species in that it's usually not aggressive. And it's also usually not related to sun exposure. In fact, the places that horses get melanoma are usually in the areas that don't get a lot of exposure to the sun, like under their tail or their sheath area, places that really actually get very little sun exposure compared to the rest of their body. Um, So it is different in terms of what's causing it. It seems to be related to the color of the horse being gray, causes a much increased incidence of melanoma. And it's also much, much less aggressive um, in horses compared to what we think of in people and in our our, uh, canine patients as well. So you mentioned some of the locations of these tumors. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what the tumors look like and what are some clinical signs that your horse may have a melanoma? Absolutely. Um, The typical melanoma masses start out as small, usually about pea-sized lumps um, in the skin of the horse. And the the tumor itself is literally in the skin. And so you see the the little lump, um, you know, in that outer layer of the horse. It's not usually like if you have a dog and you feel around and you feel little tumors underneath their skin. This is actually in the skin, so it doesn't move around very much. Um, The places that they are most commonly seen are, like I said, under the tail and so around the anus and in mares around their vulva, um, around the sheath in the male horses, um, and then also on their head we see them in the lips and around their kind of lip area on their ears. And then the one other location that's not exactly in the skin is that we'll see it in their parotid glands, which is their glands that make saliva around the throat latch area. Okay. And so you mentioned the gray horses. Um, being more likely, how more likely are they to get melanoma? And are there any other colors of horses that will end up getting melanomas? Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely, 
melanoma is absolutely overrepresented in gray horses. Most gray horses, if they live long enough, will get some melanomas. And it may just be one little pea-sized mass that never gets bigger. Or it may be really substantial masses that are big and get bigger and, and are a problem for that horse. Um, but there have been a few studies looking at breeds that have a lot of gray horses. So, for instance, Lipizzaners, and then there's a French breed of um, wild horse that's almost always gray. And they found that the vast majority of those horses would eventually get melanoma at some point in their life. And these are horses that are almost all gray, so you have like that double whammy of coat color um, being involved. Um, we do occasionally see melanoma in non-gray horses. Um, when we see it, it is usually a much different disease. We think of melanoma in other colors of horses to be much more aggressive. Those are usually um, solitary tumors. We usually are very aggressive in treating them in terms of recommending removal, potentially following up with um, local chemotherapy, just because we know that it's oftentimes a much different type of disease, and it can be much more aggressive in the non-grays. I have a quick question, Michelle. Is yes, it regional? I mean, is, is ge does geography play a role? Do you get less melanoma in colder climates? No, actually, there's really no geographic um, evidence to suggest that it's associated with heat or cold or, you know, places where there's less sun overall, you okay. know, that kind of thing. All right. Now, are there other tumors that they can get confused with? Like, how do you tell the difference between a melanoma and, say, a sarcoid? Yes, that's a great question because sometimes we can be left with that question as veterinarians. Um, certainly, you know, when you have a gray horse, our index of suspicion is much higher for a melanoma. Um, sarcoids occasionally will have a different appearance. We think of some sarcoids as they can be flat with the skin, but oftentimes they almost have a cauliflower appearance where they're um, a little bit more proliferative, if that makes sense. And, you know, those masses, that's kind of distinct to sarcoids. Us melanomas are usually flat and round, at least in their developing stage, and, and so they have a different physical appearance. Um, but definitely sarcoids are something that can be confused with them. And when we're not sure, it does occasionally warrant taking a biopsy sample and confirming what, kind, what type of mass you're dealing with. If it's a gray horse and the location of the mass is appropriate for a melanoma, a lot of times we just say, oh, those are melanomas. You know, you go to take the temperature of a gray horse, you lift their tail, they have some bumps under there, that's it. You know, we don't do a lot of diagnostics, but when there's a question, say the mass is in a place we wouldn't expect to find melanoma or it's growing more quickly, then we're more likely to say, hey, we should go ahead and get a sample of this, send it to the veterinary pathologist and get a good diagnosis of what we're dealing with. Now, I, I know quite a few gray horses, and they all seem to have a tumor of some sort. Mm -hmm. is, is it age-related? I mean, is it as they get older you'll start seeing these? When, as an owner of a gray horse, should you start looking for problems? It certainly is more um, common the older they get. We usually think of it being around, I don't know, 7 to 10 that we'll start seeing these masses, but that's by no means a hard and fast rule. I've seen horses as young as 5 with the little masses around their tail. Um, I also have seen some that have made it to even 20 without developing a single one, although that's certainly the exception. Um, I would suggest that anybody that owns a gray horse to kind of try to take stock of that and keep an eye on those masses. You know, these aren't things to panic about. They're, they're often not something that requires aggressive treatment, but trying to look at those common places that we talked about and, and figure out, does my horse have any little lumps there? And then keep an eye on them, you know, every month or so, take a look and are they growing? Um, and I would honestly recommend starting that even, you know, in the five to 10 years range, even if they don't have any, just start making a habit of looking if you have a gray horse. 
And so you mentioned treatment. So what treatment options are available? Is this something that you can aggressively treat or is it something that just takes its course naturally with the horse? It's an interesting question because for years and years we've always said, oh, melanoma and the gray horse, you know, they're going to live out their life and probably die of something else before it causes a problem. And in the vast majority of cases, honestly, that's how it goes. They have those melanomas, but they never cause a problem. Um, what's interesting about melanoma, and you'll find this among many horse diseases where we have lots of treatment options, it's because no single one has come to the forefront as being the best treatment option. You know, when we have nice research and experience to tell us what's the perfect treatment, we do that one all the time. But for melanoma, as well as some other skin tumors in horses, it's not a clear-cut answer. Um, so, you know, it's always a matter of first weighing the, is this melanoma better just left alone? You know, how old is the horse and how big is the mass? So do we think it's going to actually cause a problem over the course of this horse's life? And then if we are concerned about it, then we talk about things like trying to remove it surgically. That's usually the first step. Um, and then from there, we will look at doing injectable chemotherapy drugs, usually in the area of the mass itself. Um, most of the drugs that are effective against melanoma um, are most effective given locally, and they're the kind of drugs that are pretty toxic if you give them systemically to, you know, an IV dose to the horse or something like that, as well as being pretty expensive. Um, so the you see with the kind of discussion of there's lots of options and no one is perfect, why this is a great disease for us to go, huh, maybe vaccination is a nice thing to try because we don't have a great treatment. And the vaccine therapy has been quite effective in dogs. And, you know, there's an increasing amount of information about vaccine therapy or immunotherapy is kind of the medical term for it with melanoma and other types of tumors in people. And so it's a nice target for us to try out and see if horses might respond. And so when we think of vaccination, you know, the first thing that comes to mind are usually infectious diseases uh, like influenza or rhino. Um, how does a cancer vaccine work? And I, I just realized that's a really big question that I, <laughs> I have. Okay. It's actually a really good question, though, and, and I, we answer this a lot to owners that are interested in enrolling in the trial. Um, basically, any vaccine that you're giving to a horse, regardless of whether it's for an infectious disease or something like this, is a vaccine that's designed to teach the horses, the animal's body, to see some protein or target as foreign and to develop an immune response to it. And so when we make vaccines for infectious diseases, we make those vaccines using components of the infectious um, disease and targeting, helping the body target that problem and help them identify this is foreign and we're going to fight it off. And we're using the same tactic with melanoma, but instead of it being an uh, uh, infectious disease organism that we're targeting, we're actually targeting a cell surface marker, a, a little protein marker on the outside of melanoma cells that are overexpressed in melanoma cells. It's much, much more common on the outside of those cells than other types of cells in the body. And so if we can teach the horse to see that as foreign and to fight it off, we should hope that they will then develop an immune response and actually make their own tumors shrink, or at the very least, prevent them from growing further. That's a very and good explanation. Yeah, that <laughs> was. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm glad I asked the question now. Absolutely. Um, so when a, when a horse has melanoma, can it turn into other kinds of cancer? Can the horse have it in other, have cancers in other systems of the body uh, that started out with melanoma? Um, 
so melanoma stays melanoma, I guess, is to answer that kind of part of your question. It's, it doesn't usually transform. We do think if you've talked to somebody before about like squamous cell um, carcinoma, we sometimes think of them having precancerous lesions and then actually developing squamous cell lesions. But with melanoma, it's always melanoma. What is interesting, though, is in a small subset of horses, and this is by no means the common course, um, they will actually get metastatic disease where they get disease in a remote place from where their first masses were. Um, so they may go along for a long time with having masses around their tail, and then um, later they develop another mass, say, usually it's in their abdomen, so like around the lymph nodes around their kidney, or it may be on one of their abdominal organs. Um, very occasionally it'll be um, in their chest, uh, on their lungs, that kind of thing. Um, those are by far much, much less common than the sort of quiet sort that doesn't cause a lot of problems, but they can get metastatic disease. Um, the other one we think of with gray horses is they can get metastatic disease to their spinal cord. Um, so they may go along for years with their little melanomas and then one day acutely start showing neurologic signs. And it's because they also have a mass um, around their spinal cord, uh, kind of causing pressure on it. So. Um, so you said that you've been working on the vaccine research for three years. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. It is. So, <laughs> so during that time, has there been anything that you've learned about melanoma or in your research that surprised you? Um, you know, that that's a, a good question. I, I guess with reference, first of all, to the research, um, you know, we are, melanoma is a, a slow disease in the horse. It's definitely not an aggressive disease. So we are kind of taking the long range view of it's going to be a little while before we can really make a conclusion about this vaccine. Um, you know, we're following these horses out for a couple years following their vaccine series. And we are just getting to the point where we have some that are finishing that period of time. And so it's hard for us to make a conclusion yet about the vaccine. Um, but what I have learned that's kind of interesting and not necessarily directly scientifically research related is that um, owners are very concerned about melanoma and I think that they would really welcome a treatment option like this. Um, you know, as a veterinarian, I've spent my career telling people, oh, don't worry about it, it's melanoma, the horse will be fine. But owners are real concerned. And I think that, um, you know, as we can move forward with developing this vaccine, assuming that we can prove that it's effective, I think it will be really well received um, by the horse owning public. And, and they'll see it as a, a, nice, uh, a nice addition to what we can do for their horses. Um, that's not very scientific, but it's been interesting to get to talk to the subset of people that, you know, are real worried about this and they're willing to come and enroll their horse in a clinical trial for the, for the disease. So. Okay. Well, thank you for coming and talking to us about, uh, about melanoma and the research that you guys are doing there at, at University of Florida. Uh, if people are interested in reading more about it, we do have coverage, uh, of the research on thehorse.com. So if you go to thehorse.com, search for melanoma, you'll find more information about um, vaccine research and then other information about melanomas as well as other tumors and, and skin conditions. So take a look at that, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's been, it's been great. And that's a wrap. To listen to more of the horse.com's tips, you can go to horsetipdaily.com and look for the experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning Gang putting in their two cents on all things horse, you can tune in every weekday at horsesinthemorning.com for fascinating interviews, news stories from around the world, and clever contests and general horsey hijinks. And don't forget, support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you through the generous support of equestriancollections.com.
The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 